Hello and welcome to She's at the Wheel podcast, the female perspective on van life, overland travel and all-round adventure. How are you doing? I'm doing really well. It's rainy here. I've got a lovely view out of the back doors to the sea. I'm just waiting to go for a swim. I'll be in the sea by this evening, I imagine. So on this episode, we're talking all about camper van interior design and building. This week's guest is the amazing Sam from Project Van Rambo. Sam was living the 9 to 5 London life as a PA when an undiagnosed thyroid issue stopped her in her tracks and she had to stop working. This meant that she fell behind on rent and bills and was forced to move into a van with her partner. This turned out to be a blessing in disguise and out of the hard times, she has emerged as one of the UK's most unique and talented campervan builders and interior designers and one of the only women in the country to be running this kind of business. It was so great to meet Sam and sit down with her in her beautiful self-converted Luton van that she built all by herself and hear her story. Now I have met loads of really amazing women who have converted their vans themselves and when I met these people I honestly thought wow that's so impressive I could never do that myself but hats off to you that is amazing. As you might know if you listen to this podcast I've had two vans now both of which I designed the layout for and then someone else built it for me. I never really believed that I could do it myself. You know what they say you can't be what you can't see. And I think it's really important that we have role models to look up to, um, to remind us that we do belong in these spaces that we felt that we didn't belong in and that we can do things if we just believe that we can do it. After meeting this episode's guest, Sam, from Project Van Rambo, sitting down with her, having a chat and seeing her living this life, my attitude has completely changed. I'm like, oh, I can do this. Look at this, this person right in front of me, she's done it, why can't I do it? And it's really changed my perspective, even to the point where I'm starting to think, oh, do you know what? Maybe for my next van, I'll build it and I'll try and do it myself and see what happens. So for me personally, it's so exciting and I'm really hoping that if there's anyone out there feels similar to me that they kind of felt like oh I want to convert a van or I want to build a van but I don't know where to start or I can't do it that this episode is really going to help you to have that confidence because actually we can all learn a skill it's just believing that you can do it which is the main barrier so hopefully this episode will inspire you as much as it did me also Sam obviously it's her business to convert vans and sell them and she is actually one of the only women in the UK that is running this kind of business right now. I asked her for some recommendations for other businesses that people could look up or similar businesses, other women that are doing the same thing and she gave me um, some recommendations which I will include at the end of this episode. So once the interview is finished you'll hear um, some different recommendations for different companies and people that are building, designing, converting vans um, that are a female-led business. Big shout out to Mike, Sam's friend, who is a listener of this podcast. Thanks, Mike, for telling Sam that you enjoy listening. And once I get my shit together, I'll send you a sticker. 
Uh, at the moment, they don't exist, but that's in a whole other story. But thank you so much for spreading the good word. As I'm sure you know, van life is full of disturbances and traffic and cars revving their engines and doors slamming and trains going by and all that kind of thing so um in this episode you will hear a bit of traffic noise but you know this is the reality of this lifestyle there's pretty much always noise where vehicles are concerned so i hope it doesn't bother you too much anyway while you're listening so without further ado i really hope you enjoy it and you find it as informative and inspiring as i did here is this week's guest sam Welcome to She's At The Wheel podcast. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. So let's start with your van. Okay. Um, What is the make and model of your van and what facilities do you have in it? Sure. So I have currently progressed onto a old 1999 Smiley Ford Transit uh, with a banana engine. It's not the quickest of cats. It's quite slow, but so far as living in, it's quite large. Facilities-wise, I've got a twin hob and a cooker. I've got a shower room with a normal cassette toilet in it, but I've got an instant instant hot water um, shower, which is great. Um, so I don't have to do worry about boiler systems and stuff. There's a massive double bed at the top, and the sofa you're sitting into also pulls out to a double bed for the dogs and anyone that's staying. I've got a diesel heater underneath, a wood burner, which is great for winter. The only thing I did sacrifice in this one, I didn't put a sink in, uh, all the taps and stuff, uh, the water access outside. So I've managed to sort of work around that. But yeah, pretty much, uh, obviously, I've got the TV, two massive batteries underneath where I'm sitting currently numerous I'm a lighting freak I've got numerous amounts of different styles of lighting and oodles of windows and doors to open for when I need it so yeah it's got an it's got enough of the basics in here to be very comfortable through for winter months especially who do you live with in your van so it's primarily just me I built the van for just me I've got a 38 kilo mastiff German shepherd cross so he's a fairly large dog that needs to be housed and in the winter I just need to make sure he stays warm down here he does jump from the floor up to that bed quite easily believe it or not wow yeah yeah so um <laughs> well the whole point of having a Luton was to stop the dogs jumping up one car yeah. one can so um yeah he does snuggle up with me in the winter months but um it's just me and Bear and I do have Tarka in here which is his brother occasionally and sometimes Ollie does stay in here but my Luton being quite high up and my mattress being quite firm does put him off <laughs> oh that's handy it's yeah. always nice to have a next door neighbour partner yeah I, f- I find you've been full time in your various vans now for four years so why did you first move into a van the tale is not one of you know I sold a house and we decided to live a life of freedom which I see so much on Instagram and I think you know great hats off to people that are sort of freeing their finances up but I had spent most of my 20s being a complete hedonist and parting my socks off and with that I just you know I blew money on credit cards and so my 20s I'd already inherited a lot of debt just from my my own lifestyle choices and then I met Ollie sort of five years ago uh, yeah five years ago we were renting a flat in Bristol and Bristol's like really expensive anyway for renting and we fell behind on our rent I think Ollie had lost his job at that point so we were sort of reliant on my one wage my one wage was literally just covering the cost of rent food and bills so we sort of started to fall into arrears 
and then the stress that comes from not being able to afford bills and having people, you know, I was having credit card companies pecking at my head and mm-hmm. um, landlord pecking at my head and then you're arguing a lot because you're both really stressed about money and it got to the stage where Ollie ironically made the suggestion about moving into the van in order to get ourselves straight. My face at first was fairly horrified, I'm not going to lie, I was like, move into my van? I can't do this. Um, but the more we thought about it, I said, okay, you know, we'd seen people in Bristol doing it and I think maybe being in Bristol lent itself in the favour of me saying okay. So yeah, we converted Rambo in over the summer and moved into it in autumn, met loads of people in Eastern in, in Bristol that were obviously living the same lifestyle and had been for years and they were quite welcoming and <clears throat> we got kicked off of this bit of road and the people we'd met said we're breaking onto a site which again sounded really illegal and fairly scary and we were like we're not sure so we left these people to go off and break onto this old disused school which hadn't hadn't been running since 2000 and was just sat there and when they all left we felt like a you know I felt like a bit like Ollie was away work quite a lot um, in his own van and I felt really alone and I felt quite vulnerable and uh, I had the cat at that point uh, so it's not exactly the guard dog that I've got now but there were people on that road but caravans and drug use and I just didn't feel very comfortable there anymore I didn't feel very safe and I said that to Ollie and I said I think we should contact the guys that we, we were with and see what's going on and they said yeah come down so we went and stayed with them and we stayed in this disused school for quite a few months especially over winter when we you know at this point we were still really really poor and the van had not even got a wood burner or diesel heater in in it at that point and it was like I said it was one of the coldest winters we'd had in I don't know years I don't think Bristol would seen snow for something like 10 years we had lots of snow and no heating and no food and so the guys were really good one of the guys was a welder and um, he actually made us a wood burner and installed it really fast because I was getting really poorly at this point you know my back doors were very drafty the partition doors I had were rubbish I was like I need to make our van warmer because I'm ill and so I started then you know repairing the front doors and making them right we got the wood burner in I started a new job working for a big corporation in the October so that started bringing some money in and we started to sort of slowly get ourselves straight the only thing I found with living on a site with people who've been doing it for a long time is it's a bit of a goldfish bowl and there are people with mental health issues and there are lots of you know people with drug problems and I just I just found the environment for me was a bit claustrophobic and Ollie and I were still not quite in a great place at that point because mentally I don't I think I was struggling with a lot of it you know trying to keep the pretense up at work that I wasn't in a van whilst being poorly and tired and I was just very unhappy generally with my life and the way it all turned out I think I was quite annoyed with myself that I got into this position because ultimately the debts and everything it was it's all on me I couldn't blame anyone else for it but then I don't know at some point I got a really good contract working for the government I hadn't said anything about living in a van but I'd obviously made a few comments about vans and like the Christmas party which is also my leaving party they also we all know you live in a van and I just went what yeah we want to live in a van we've got no problem with it and I think at that point I just laughed and thought god why have I been keeping this a secret like it's shameful and you know dirty and again hiding the financial aspect from everybody because money is such a sore subject in people's lives that um 
no one really it's taboo isn't it no one wants to talk about money yeah. no one wants to talk about debts no one, talks, no one wants to talk about how much money they have whether that's loads or not how much they haven't because no one wants to talk about money but actually money is such a sticky subject that if people were a bit more transparent about their finances it would allow people I think to feel ashamed by it and I think I you know I felt ashamed that I had got myself into such a pickle in my 30s I just started being honest about it the, when Theo and B did the the filming um, in late 2017 of my van through their indie projects stuff and and they did title it uh, I think something like Girl Lives in Ambulance to Get Out of Debt so it was quite a striking title and it's had like something like one and a half million views or something stupid like that now I think that is because we are in a society that's full of debt and there is a lot of people that don't talk about it or don't want to talk about it or aren't honest about it or denial about it but I think by being that honest it, it allowed me to sort of release the burden and then in turn I, I started getting women messaging me saying you know thank you for being honest and open and this is the position I'm in and I don't talk about it and I, I'm, I'm older as well so I, I you know feeling the same feelings but actually seeing somebody else be transparent allowed them to say maybe there is hope for me and I think that then gave me the sort of drive to be more transparent and it's just it's all fed into itself so by the time we got to sort of the end of maybe the first year and a half of doing van life I'd sort of gone from being like hiding away of all of it you know how I lived who I lived with what I was doing my money and just to be completely blown open by it and I think when I came back from traveling with the dog and then the I got the, the illness as well and that sort of forced my hand to stop working in an office it just further just pushed me in that direction of what I was meant to be doing which is working for myself and then building you know coronavirus which I appreciate has been a really hard time for for everybody out there because a lot of people have lost their businesses their jobs and you know I'm sure debts for some people paying bills through credit cards probably is an all-time high mm. um, actually I'm probably one of the very few people that can say coronavirus helped us and forced my hand into doing this properly and you know I registered as being self-employed at the beginning of this year because I was like okay let's do this because I was actually quite scared to go self-employed because I've been sat under PAYE with you know a little pension pot and uh, everything's paid for me but you know you're a slave to the system aren't you that's it I think in the last 12 months it's just allowed me to completely break free of this sort of societal norms and the the systems that culturally are placed on you you should be doing this and you should get a job and you should get a house and you should have a car and you should get a mortgage and you know all this nine to five nonsense and I'm sure it works for some people, my whole family are you know, living that life, but for me, I don't think I've ever really been that way. I'm always yeah. pottering off traveling and doing stuff, and I think maybe I didn't realize there was something else until I fell into it, but actually getting into debt, if it wasn't for getting into debt, I wouldn't have gone into a van, and if it wasn't for the illness, I wouldn't have gone full-time with building. So all these things that were negatives have become the drivers and created the positive so yeah it's been fantastic really I'm in awe of it at the best of times it's quite amazing obviously your van is absolutely stunning oh, thank you. you converted this van yourself everything in here you've done by hand how does it feel to have achieved something so beautiful like this I think um when I had the first ambulance because I also did that one I always sat in the van and had this sense of achievement and I when I sold the van I was almost 
sad I didn't think I'd feel that again but actually after building this Luton I obviously inherited a few bits because I, I bought this um, as a camper van which was in the right state so sort of the side door was already here but the, the entire interior has been done by scratch for me and yeah I sit in this van quite comfortably knowing I built it and it's my style and it's warm and it's cozy and the lighting's cozy and I'm very organized I know where everything is you know nothing's shambolic in this van everything's got a house everything's got a home so I do love being in here and I would say especially in the winter because I feel like I can close the doors and I'm sort of shut off from the world whereas my previous van I felt a bit sometimes exposed to the elements I could still feel the draft coming through and stuff so yeah I do love it. When did you start the journey of like converting and selling vans? So obviously we did Rambo to move into. Ollie's done quite a few more We've obviously at periods lived together and then lived apart and then lived together and lived apart. But if you look at the ones that I've actually converted myself, um, including the ones I've sold, I've done Rambo 1, Rambo 2, Rambo 3, and then this one. So I've done like four essentially mm -hmm. properly and then yeah. help, helped Ollie in, in periods. So um, the first one, Ollie was sort of essentially showing me how to use power tools because I, I watched him cobble together this really basic build on a tiny little Mercedes, an old Mercedes bus. And when I saw Ollie doing it, it looked fairly straightforward. So me being me, I said, well, I can, if you can do that, I can do that because I'm quite competitive. And so um, I said, show me how to use a drill, show me how to use a jigsaw. And he said, do you want some help? And I just went, no. <laughs> and that was that. He used to, he was leaving me there trying to work out how to make drawers and stuff, scratching my head. It only took me a whole day to make a drawer once. <laughs> um, so the first van we did on the premise of we were going to move into it so we wanted to make it more comfortable and we went down to Greenbank which was like a long dead end road where loads of other van lifers are um, and I was still going off to work so I still had this pretense going on like I was no one at my job knew I lived in a van and I didn't want anyone to know I lived in a van because I was still a bit like shamed by the concept of it so I was going cycling to work showering at work getting into like perfect office clothes and then not talking about my life and then coming home and being back in the van and stuff so it wasn't really till um, I went off traveling in Rambo for six months with the dog yeah when I got back I was really tired I went back and I got another contract yeah I was really struggling to do the job and that's when I got sort of diagnosed with a an underactive thyroid at the same time and um, it was making me very confused and tired and I just couldn't perform as a PA anymore mm -hmm. um, I couldn't do it even you know ordering train tickets I was just making mistakes and and then I got the diagnosis and I thought well actually that explains the bad performance so I kind of knew that was like the end of that really I was like I don't think I can go back and do that now because I don't think this memory thing's going to shift so um, yeah so we'd sort of talked about doing another van up between us and I put Rambo up for sale when it was sold fairly fast at like December time and then we found another Rambo ex exactly the same but in a complete state and so I said um, I'm going to buy that with some of this money that I've got from my van and then the rest of the money I'm going to get like a slightly bigger van with so we bought the second Rambo but actually got a workshop at the same time so January 2020 we got the workshop and whilst Ollie was pretty much here through the hottest lockdown last year having fun drinking and barbecues because we there was loads of us here I was going to the workshop every single day and building this van and I, I kind of wanted to do it on my own um, because we had the workshop and we had the tools and I was surrounded by loads of people that had 
you know, different tools and different experience. I've got stuck. I didn't have to do something. I had the help there. And he would come and do the, some of the stuff for me, like the roof rack and cutting in the windows. But mostly that van I spent all summer. And because of lockdown, I didn't know how long it was going to last. Um, I went really slow on it. So I spent all summer doing that van. And then I put it up for sale and it sold pretty much straight away. Yeah, that was then sold off in December. And then I found this, Luton, that I'm in now. And so I bought the Luton and then went and bought the Rambo 3 which we blasted through this year together and I did all this this is when I started to really think about what it was I wanted out of doing Rambos as I now come to find I was doing ambulances and the Rambo business had sort of organically grown and I said well if I'm going to do this I want to do the design work I want to source the materials I really want to hone in on the upcycle recycle approach and that's where my my remit sits like the beginning part is my bit I hate the most or the, the grubby bit ripping it out and oh, yeah. you know roof rack that's the bit actually ironically Ollie enjoys so I help him with it but when it comes to the end part and the sourcing materials that's that's very much me so the Rambo stuff in spite of Ollie doing lots of help for me is very much my remit and then now on the side we've been doing these smaller vans which is sort of his baby that I help him with so we've sort of got two things going on at the same time so we're doing the Rambo's when we come across them, obviously we've got one waiting already, when we can find them, but they do take more time, effort, money. And financially, I'd, I'd say we get better turnaround with the smaller vans, but I'm not passionate about those really. I'm passionate oh, yeah. about the ambulances. Mm -hmm. So we're sort of trying to balance really like the quick turnaround vans with the, what I class as like the creative bubble Rambo yeah. stuff. What is it that you love about the ambulance? I'll be honest, I obviously had an ambulance for quite a while, which I bought in 2012 in the lowest ebbs of winter off a Kiwi couple who'd called it Rambo the Ambo, <laughs> and that's where the name derives from. I didn't make it up, it was given to me the name and their accent just totally sold it. We had plans, I only bought it for like a grand, I think I bought it for like just over a grand off them, they they were dead. They were literally about to go home, their visa was about to run out, so they just sort of, they'd been let down twice. And they chucked this van at me and then my ex and I went travelling, you know, around Europe in it and I never it never missed a beat. You know, the van had three hundred and fifty thousand miles on the clock. Wow. Which is to the moon and back. <laughs> but we pushed it around Europe. Um it just it never struggled with speed, it's wide, it's got space, you know, you can lie widthways in it. There's so much room inside them and just the performance of the van, because they're so well serviced by the NHS. Obviously, I, I had a massive fondness for my own van because it's my first van anyway. But when we got the second one, it had been sat there for three years, and we did all the work. We did all the work to it first inside, made it into into um, a camper van. And then we put it in for an inspection, an MOT, a service, and all that jazz. Thinking, okay, well now it's the MOT. We were like, hot fingers crossed. What's it going to come back with? It's been sat there for three years, and it came back with like your horn doesn't work, that the lights are dipped, like nothing. And I, again, it just kind of made me go these vehicles they're older you know they're like 1999 2001 they're older vehicles but they just I think where the NHS do look after them they just don't seem to wear and that you know like Ollie's got an ambulance as well when a master again and you, you can sit at 70 on it on a motorway and it just doesn't blink it's got no issue pulling speeds obviously the loot I'm in now is you know 50 miles an hour and you anything past that you'd be like woohoo I've got 55 yeah. so um that's that's part of the reason with the ambulance but mostly the shape they don't nothing else looks the older ones anyway I'm not massively into the new ones because the electrics get more complicated but they're very square the inside is very square you know when you look at the photos on Instagram 
my photos don't look like anyone else's. It hasn't got a massive slide door on the side and long and thin. It's yeah, when you go into an ambulance after it's been converted, there's so much space inside. Almost like the feel of the way this, this Luton feels, it's quite square. Um, and because of that, you never feel penned in. And I think that's why I've got another one to do up and, and keep that's currently in the workshop. So yeah, and, and also just because I just became the ambulance person. People send me ambulances <laughs> that are on, you know, on the marketplace, on Facebook or on eBay or the one that Ollie's got somebody actually sent it to me on his Instagram I said my dad's selling an ambulance do you want it and I said depends how much we made a chat and we were going to do it up to sell it but then Ollie fell in love with it because it's really long that one and we've never seen one that long so Ollie said I want to keep it and I said okay so people just send them to us now so I've become like the ambulance go-to person and because that in itself has just grown on its own I just think just go with it you know that's what I'm meant to be doing so it yeah, they're doing the smaller vans with Ollie are like, like, quick and easy to do. They're quite basic builds, but the ambulances I put so much thought into. Like, on the next one, I want to do it differently, and I want to design it differently. And because I've got all this space to play with, it's not like having a long thin van where you can only put your bed there. And you know, I can keep putting the kitchen in a different place every single time, and put the wood burner in a different place, and you know, have a partition wall that opens or completely close it over. I can just keep changing. The space shape and the layout and yeah, it says yeah, I just love them. And do you tend to do that with your ambulance designs? Is it always a new layout? Try to, try to for two purposes. I think you know my Instagram is is a big part of what's enabled all of this to grow um, organically. And so part of my mind always says you know keep it fresh, keep it interesting. If you know we start churning out and I, that's what I say to Ollie because he does, he. He said, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. So he would quite happily do the same layout, the same layout. But it can get repetitive and boring, especially when you're trying to give content to, you know, new content to viewers. So that's like part of the mindset is, you know, keep it fresh, keep interest. But also for me, because I feel like I'm doing like van interior design, I want it to be different. I want the styles new to be challenge. different. And I want every single Rambo in photos to look, you know, style-wise com completely different. And layout-wise it's good to challenge myself doing something completely different because I'm not a carpenter, I'm not trained to do woodwork. This is all still fairly new. I've been waiting to do a carpentry course now for something like, oh, I don't know, we had lockdown, so it's a year and a half. I keep contacting them and they are running the courses, but the one I want to do is, is pending because I want to just sort of hone in some of the skills with, with the carpentry side so I can get a bit better. So there's definitely a growth aspect that I want on my part, but otherwise we're sort of make, you know learning and making as we go. Yeah, so I think every van will have slight improvements on the quality of the workmanship and saying, oh, well, yeah, why didn't I do it like that last time? So I definitely want to see each van looking like, not style-wise a bit better, but just feeling that bit stronger or that bit more uh, professional. If people would like to see your conversions, they can find you on your Instagram page, Project Van Rambo. Yeah. Um, so can we talk a little bit about that? So you're an amazing photographer. Your photography oh, is absolutely you. beautiful and the conversions are so beautiful. How did that all begin on Instagram? When did you start to get like a big following? I really owe it to the indie projects actually. Um, I had done the first ambulance and I had 300 followers on Instagram. I hadn't really been using much of Instagram, but I had set up a page for Rambo. And then I think the O&B must have sort of seen, seen the account, you know, with not many followers. And then they did the, the film for it all those years ago. And that 
probably gave me an immediate sort of 2,000 odd followers I think after the movie came out and then the rest it sort of became quite organic you know I I then thought well okay if I can do this I, I can carry on documenting it we did some travels in it so that sort of allowed a few more followers for interesting content and then once the van building started becoming a bit of a thing then they, you know I started getting followers more so towards you know a woman with a decent backstory of debts and stuff overcoming hurdles turning into a van builder so I think that in itself became a, a hook for people to follow and now yeah there's a sort of a mishmash really it's, it's a mixture of my van building to do it and it's a mixture of like what I'm up to and then when we are going traveling then it's you know a bit of a travel blog but obviously not so much travels with the old coronavirus stuff going on so yeah there's sort of three elements of it really but the Instagram's become sort of a good driver to sort of allow me to nurture this into becoming a business so I'm very grateful to Instagram. So do you use Instagram as the primary place to advertise vans that you've converted for sale? Yeah I mean at the moment because it's still I feel like it's fairly in its infancy I think at the moment Instagram's become the tool but my plan really is next year to get a website built because we've got enough photographs of the van builds we've done obviously the Rambo aspect I mean when we finish this next one there'll be Rambo that'll be Rambo 4 so I think having four consistent good builds to go on a website is enough to start with plus uh, I went and bought a van for pennies the other day and it, it's a really good runner it needs a lot of work but it's a really good runner so I'm going to keep that and turn that into a rental van so there'll be like a Rambo van rental aspect of that website so I think once all these things sort of start pulling themselves together and then the website will become like a mixture of the van sales and the the rental van I want eventually I want a couple of rental vans Okay, so today I'm telling you guys about Fetcher Chocolates. Fetcher Chocolates is an independent, female-owned business that sells luxury, handmade, vegan chocolate. Fetcher Chocolate is the perfect gift for special occasions and something that everyone can enjoy. It's dairy, gluten and soy-free, so great for allergy sufferers, but also for anyone. I mean, this chocolate is so good, you don't have to be vegan to enjoy it. There are classic flavours such as milk chocolate mousse and golden salted caramel, but also Fetcher Chocolates offer seasonal flavours too, so they're always coming up with new exciting recipes for you to try. The packaging can all be recycled as paper, so there's no plastic in sight, and Fetcher also plants trees to offset the packaging, so it's an eco-friendly choice as well. Fetcher Chocolates are offering listeners of this podcast 10% off with promo code WHEEL. Enter promo code WHEEL at checkout to receive a 10% discount on your order. Yep, that's 10% off, so go on, go to fetcherchocolates.com and get that chocolate in your life. You will not regret it. So what skills did you start out with to begin with and, and how do you feel that you've developed? Uh, well, I was... a PA so I don't think I'd ever touched a power tool <laughs> until I met Ollie and I don't think I had any intention of touching a power tool until I met Ollie and actually Ollie used to run a garage so I don't think he had any intention of touching a power tool until he came and met me and moved to Bristol so his was when he started doing landscape gardening for a firm so he bought his own tools to enable him to do the job but yeah if he, I think if he hadn't have done that first van 
which made me sort of look at what he was doing and it looked fairly, you know, straightforward, then I probably wouldn't have said, oh, well, should, should we do, should we do mine or shall we strip mine out? Which he was like loving the idea of. I think I've never seen anyone rip my wallpaper. He hated, he hated the wallpaper. Oh yeah. I've never seen anyone rip so happily the wallpaper off my, the walls of my van. And I was like literally horrified by the end of it. I was like, my God, what have we done? But yeah, so I think I started off with very, very basic. We, and we only had basic tools. We had an impact driver and drill and a, and a jigsaw. And we were working out the back of our flat at that point. So limited tools, wobbly lines. You know, there was in the workshop now we've sort of we've well we've got a skill saw which is a bit better, but we've also got various different saws for doing proper cuts. Um and the workshop's just chock a block with different tools now, which some of some of which are more rollies than mine, but certainly I'm much more competent and it's only taken really a couple of years of consistently picking up those tools to feel comfortable with them. But I'll be honest, from the point where I started doing it, I feel like I should have been doing it. Like, I didn't I didn't feel like, oh my God, I don't know what I'm doing. Like, maybe the first couple of times of using a, an impact driver and a jigsaw and stuff. But I don't think I've ever been, like, nervous about doing it. I don't know. I feel like I've always had them in my hand. I do design work, but things do change as I go. I mean, when I was doing this Luton, we got it back and he sort of started stripping it out because I wasn't feeling too great. And then it was just this blank canvas. And once I had the blank canvas, I really just looked at it and went, well, I want a longer kitchen down here in a bathroom. I didn't really design this one. I sort of, the kitchen and the cupboard um, were in an old uh, Welsh dresser sort of that's been split in two. And I came across that on Facebook. So then that sort of governed the way the rest of this van panned out and how the kitchen looked. And then I found this the sofa, which is a sofa bed as well that you're on. Yeah, sometimes the, I think the vans, they just sort of build themselves. I think as things get designed and built, I one thing just sort of flows to the next and you're sort of in that creative moment. A bit like when I used to do my artwork, really. I didn't know what I, you know, I used to do abstract art paintings. And that's kind of where, why I came to Bristol, is to be an artist, ironically. And when I used to paint, I would sit there, you know, what am I doing and don't know what I'm painting. And then something would start and all of a sudden there's paint flying everywhere. and and then at the end of it, I would have this, you know, abstract art piece. So I think sometimes it's good not to necessarily overthink what you're doing. Like, it's great to plan, but then also not to get so set in the ways of sticking to the plan and just if things change or your ideas change, sort of rolling with it. And I think that's that tends to be how I work. It's good. I like to map out where things might be, but style-wise, things can definitely move in a completely different direction. That's great. That's so organic. <laughs> it it's is really very organic. Like, <laughs> just let it happen. I do just let it happen. The, nice. the, the electrics I had to learn. Ollie's not a massive fan of doing 12, 12 volt and it sort of bamboozled both our brains. But actually, <laughs> it, essentially, it's not as difficult as I once thought it was. It's just trying to keep the wires tidy and everything safe and fusing the crap out of everything so it's safe and earthing stuff. And so the electrics were probably the one I had to get my head around the most but the actual building aspect and the you know I love it I love I love thinking oh what, what am I going to put there and what, what artwork can I put here and going off and because I, I like finding them second hand you know I literally I sit on Facebook in the evenings when I'm building a van and I like, try and find really snazzy sort of like tiles I can get really cheap or you know like the flooring 
yeah, everything. Everything. The more I can get secondhand, the better. You use upcycled, recycled, and reclaimed materials mm -hmm. in your conversions yep. primarily. How important is it to you that your projects are kind of sustainable in that way? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's it was really difficult through lockdown. I'm not gonna lie. The Rambo number two was more purchase of Amazon than I'd really care to, to say I wanted but that was because everything was closed and people were shielding and it became you know things like car boots didn't exist and, and being B&Q was open but there was much less access to second hand materials the reclamation yard we used to go to was shut whereas with the number three Olive that entire van pretty much was built out of reclaimed materials and everything was sort of tried to be sourced from around Bristol Way. You know, Bristol's quite a large area, so I could still drive half an hour, maybe in the direction, but half an hour is better than coming from Scotland. If we can, we go to a reclamation yard to get sort of the baton and the CLS, so even the frames will try and get reclaimed wood. Basically, anything that we'd normally go to being Q and get we try and source elsewhere and actually ironically now I think America's decided to buy all the wood up in the entire world and now the price of wood has gone like it's almost it's over double now really yeah oh it's God. really really difficult okay. to source materials and we are sort of asking ourselves the question actually we're gonna have to try really hard to try and drive the cost down so I think that's gonna make it even more more reclaimed this next ramble that we're doing but yeah carbon footprints a big thing sustainable materials we have had the conversation around using sustainable insulation and we could te technically go down the road of using sort of like um, you can use sheep's wool and stuff but we do use at the moment um, Celotex or Retisil but primarily because when you're laying stuff like that down on a floor it's hard so there are certain materials that aren't necessarily environmentally friendly which we haven't combated yet so I'm not 100% there trying to like balance the cost you know at the moment obviously vans it's, 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 it's definitely a seller's market and the cost of vans is, t is through the roof you won't get much for your money if you're under 10 grand at the moment which is why we're doing these sort of smaller budget builds so people can actually get something nice for their money but if we start going too heavy into some of these other materials I don't know how much we're going to absorb the cost into the sale and the thing is with the Rambos is they're going up in price. We don't pay very much for the ambulances because they're old. So it used to be a grand, now it's two grand. The last one was three. So there's definitely been that increase in even the van price for what we're buying it for. But I definitely think with the next one, we're going to find the cost of that has probably got another couple of grand added onto it. And we've just we've actually got to try and absorb that into the sale. And I don't want to start going too much more on what we've been selling for them for previously because I don't want to feed into this frenzy too much. I want to keep my vans at a reasonable price. But obviously it's two of us that are building it, so it's being split. So if we're doing a six to eight week build and we're sort of getting five grand each out of it, that's okay. But if it starts becoming less than that, then they're not very viable. So we do have to balance that with the sort of material costs and stuff like that. So we'll see how the next one pans out really. And when did you sell your first van? When was the first you sold. So I had Rambo number one for years and years and years and really looked after it and um, like I said it done, it'd been to the moon and back with the miles. The decision to sell that van was a difficult one but I, f I felt that there's two sides of this so I'm a firm believer in trying not to get too attached to things Yeah. Um, because as a person I'm like a Capricorn I 
can be quite scrupulous. I can be quite. I, the materialism is in me. I sort of fight that urge to have stuff, but I also know the more stuff I have, the more stressed I am. So I feel like I'd got really attached to Rambo because I'd had so many memories, good and bad, inside this van, travel trips and stuff. That I was sort of like, I was holding onto this van, going, "This, this is my everything. This van is everything to me." And if I didn't have this van and this van was stolen, I'd be broken. And I, I kind of sensed that wasn't healthy in one sense to be so attached to to this to this van so part of me said i i feel like i should learn the exercise of letting it go and so i'd ummed and odd about selling it for a, a few occasions until i started to say actually i think i'm going to get something bigger and i think i'm going to free up and i think i'm going to sell this and get a bit of money in my pocket to fund something else so I was trying to use the idea that if I let go of this van, it, it will open up the opportunity for something else. I wasn't necessarily sure what, but mostly just, yeah, the attachment aspect. I mean, I still miss that van to this day and I'm, I'm gutted. Yeah. I have no idea where it is, but I, I think if you, if you hold on to things and you stay in the same routines, um, like people that stay at the same job, you don't grow, you don't learn, you don't create opportunities. And one thing I have learned over the years is, yes, we've been through some seriously hard times. Yes, we've hit rock bottom but all of those rock bottoms were the lotus flower you know to allow something to grow mm -hmm. in the in the darkest moments and it's a hard one because we come from a society where they they drill it into you that the more stuff you have and the more stuff you buy and the more stuff you own the happier you'll be but you if you look around at those people they are not satiated they are not happy yeah. most of them are Never just ends if it's not the career they're going up the ladder oh well I'll get this job and then they get that job and, and the next job and the next job and the next post up and so they're never fully happy with what they have but it's you don't take it with you do you my friend recently said to me everything that you own owns you yeah and that resonates with me so much now because at the moment I've got stuff all over the place I've got like stuff in my ex-boyfriend's house, I've got stuff in my friend's attic, I've got stuff in my room and I'm just like, that used this to be me. owns me. When yeah. we first moved into a van, I <laughs> so I had, um, we, we were in a, when we were in the flat, and it was a very big flat, I mean I must have owned 50 pairs of shoes or something stupid like that, I had a lot of pairs no of shoes. No was I was one of those, I was one of those typical girls, I had yeah. loads of shoes, heels, boots, and when it came to leaving um, the flat, I knew I had to downsize and I think at one point I had two bin liners worth of shoes and Ollie went to throw them out I think I threw myself over the shoes and was like don't do it and he was like you just gotta give them away and I, I've really struggled to let go of like a lot of stuff and actually when we moved into the ambulance we would bought a really cheap LDV because I had so much stuff I had a second van full of my stuff we're talking things like a vanity mirror chair and a vanity, you know, things that were never going to be used, but I just thought, oh, but I was given that as a gift. I think he bought me the chair. Yeah, just unnecessary amounts of clothes. And ironically, over the last four years, what's happened is I got really, really sick and tired of having to go into a second van to try and find my stuff. So slowly but surely, I whittled down that space. There was, there's, you know, snowboarding stuff sat at my mum's, there's DJing records and stuff. There was big stuff sat at my mum's still, admittedly. But this, this stuff that I thought needed to follow me around everywhere, I slowly got rid of it until there was no second van. And the Luton now, the apart from the cupboard above your head, which has got my knick-knacky bits, some games, maybe a sewing kit, and but that's, that's my bits and bobs mm -hmm. cupboard. Um, my clothes are pretty much there. I do have um, 
like one suitcase in the workshop where I flick my winter summer clothes mm-hmm. around, which I yeah. think is fairly normal. But apart from that, I don't. I have like a one in one out rule with clothes now. Mm-hmm. So I love charity shops. Like love charity shops. So if I if I go charity shopping and I come back with stuff, I will pull something else out that I put in the charity shop mm-hmm. so I don't end up like Oliver with bags of clothes. <laughs> as much as I would love to keep filling this with you know bits and bobs, if it's not essential, yeah. then. I don't need it. Yeah, and I also I've got the mindset now that I realise that like just because I think something is really beautiful and I want it, I don't actually have to have it. Like no. I can see something, especially with clothes. Like sometimes we're like, oh, that's such a nice dress, and then I just have to go, yes, it is. Yes, it's a nice dress. Yes, and I yeah. walk away. <laughs> yeah, it's hard, isn't it? Like, yeah. I don't mind with yeah. the charity shop. Like I went to the party a party this weekend, and the dress I'd got, I'd got two years ago, and I'd worn it. To a sim, I'd bought it. I'd bought it once before to a night out in Prague, and I said to Ollie, I said, "Should I wear this dress again?" I did the very typical, like, but I wore it two years ago to the same party, <laughs> like ABGT three fifty, and and he was like, "Does it matter?" And I thought, God, that's a very old mentality of me to say, "Oh, I shouldn't wear the same dress twice." Yeah. To put this dress on, and Helen was like, "Oh, you wore that a couple of years ago. It's an amazing dress." And everyone was like, "Oh, what a lovely dress!" And I said, "Yeah, I paid four pounds from it from a charity shop, but now I've worn it twice. I'd probably put that back in the charity shop once I've washed it because I've had the use out of it. I didn't pay loads of money for it, and somebody else can enjoy it. It's a really lovely dress, but there's no point in that dress probably sitting there now. I very highly doubt I'm going to wear it again. So I, I like the fact that I can buy stuff like that and then put it back in to be rehomed somewhere else. But buying things from a shop, expensive things." I just don't do it anymore unless no, it's something I really yeah. want or can't find then I would say 90% of my stuff comes from charity shops mm-hmm. really. Did you ever think you would end up in a van? No. So I think when I bought the van it was just for you know an adventure nothing more than that and then it went into storage for two years and I forgot about it. It wasn't really so I got to Bristol five years ago I started to invest my time into the camper before that it was just this thing that sometimes went to a festival with me I didn't really care too much about it and maybe because Bristol has such a big van life presence and the council are sort of not favorable towards van lifers but they're respectful of alternative ways of living allowed me to feel a bit more comfortable in going down that road but really I think my eyes were open when we moved into it after getting into debt actually living in that life and meeting those people and so many different walks of life and so many different types of vans and age groups yes yeah, I think it I don't think I'd ever be living in a van full-time it was definitely a, what I thought was a temporary measure but Ollie mentioned the other day about would we go back into a house and I my initial thing was just flatly say no it's not that I would never do it but at the moment I've built this space that's really good in the winter because that was my biggest gripe before is I was always trying to go away for the winters but with coronavirus now I'm not sure how that's going to work because we're travelling around so we've got to make sure we've got a comfortable space for winter and that's what this is so why would I suddenly throw a thousand pounds a month if not more away to paying somebody else's mortgage and to then pay a portion of what we're you know our hard work into you know monthly bills I just can't justify at the moment but if you asked me two years ago, three, well, maybe three, four years ago, I was desperate to go back into a house. You know, I miss having a bath and I do miss sometimes having a bit more space. But I think that's slowly whittling away. I think now looking back on it, I don't think I would go into a house until I've got savings and we've got financial security and my business is where I want it to be. And I'll be honest, I think I even said to Ollie about, you know, 
whether we would do mortgage I think I'm more into the idea of buying land mm -hmm. but then there's a lot of hurdles around how that works in the UK because you can buy land but you can't live on it it's the, the joke of how the yeah. government control your life so whether we would then do that abroad so there's a lot of questions around what we would do with the money if we had it so um, part of me is like fighting the system the other part says we'll, we'll see how the next five ten years pan out Great, well thank you so much for chatting to me today. Thanks I for having me. really appreciate it. It's great <laughs> to be here and to chat to you. So if people would like to find you online, can you just tell us again what your Instagram is called? Instagram is the primary one and it's project underscore van underscore Rambo. But if you type in Project Van Rambo, I will pop up on Google. And then obviously the Indie Projects did a really interesting video for maybe someone looking to get into van life which is about four years old now but they do others for the my tiny home tour which is is quite an interesting to one to watch which is where it all came from so brilliant oh yeah i'll definitely go and watch that nice one well thanks again it's been lovely oh, thanks, thanks for having you. me Hello there, I'm back with some of Sam's recommendations for female-led campervan interior design and conversion businesses. So the first recommendation that Sam gave me is Wild Heart Campers. Now this is Liz, she is a single mum, she lives in London and what she does is she finds a van, she designs the van and then she outsources the work to other people but she has full creative control over the process and Sam loves her work and shares it quite a lot. So you can find that Wild Heart Campers Limited on Instagram. She's got some absolutely gorgeous vans on here. So that's, you know, if you're someone out there that was thinking, oh, I'd really like to get into this space, but I don't want to get my hands dirty, you know, that's a way that you could do it as well. It's really nice Instagram page. You can see all the things that she's been doing. Call me sexist, whatever, but you can really see the difference when there's more of a feminine touch to interior design, and that really stands out in her designs. They're very feminine. They're really beautiful. I would highly recommend you check that one out. So that's Wild Heart Campers. The next recommendation from Sam is, it's a very similar name, Wild Road Camper. Now this is a lady who is living in Leon, Spain. She's called Ceci, I think is how you pronounce it. Um, her tagline is, the girl that turns old vans into cozy camper vans. Sam says that she loves her work she's always sharing it and she's doing kind of similar things to her her photography is absolutely beautiful again you can really see the feminine touch on these designs there's lots of really great pictures of sassy varnishing wood drilling things fitting stuff you can hear how limited my knowledge is can't you <laughs> I'm like, she's holding a drill and she's hammering things and, you know. But the point is, if you wanted to be inspired and see a woman doing these things, then check out her Instagram. It's definitely worth a look if you would like to be inspired by a badass girl making it happen. So the next recommendation from Sam is Clock Off Campers. L and Jazz, they're based in the UK and they provide camper van hire as well as conversions. They've got a really nice website and an Instagram page as well, which 
is very much a holiday vibe. It's really colourful and cheerful. Loads of pictures of the vans that they have for sale and lots of interesting little posts about road trips and things that they've been on or other people are going on. Their camper van hire information is there. It's really nice um, to check out if you'd like to see some more kind of inspirational business owners that are doing a great job in promoting this, this lifestyle. The next recommendation from Sam is Brownbird and Company. You might have heard of them. Jackie and Laura, they offer campervan conversions. They are van lifers, omnia oven stockists, and they also have a really amazing website, which I go to quite regularly. They've got a really good blog. So the last blog post they did was all about outdoor wood burners, something that I'd actually, I think I'd like to get one of those. They're really cool best camper van presents for birthdays and Christmas that's another one van life jobs and staying connected so all sorts of different things there their Instagram is absolutely beautiful the photography is unbelievable and their van is stunning absolutely stunning so I would highly recommend that you check them out as well and see another female-led business that are absolutely smashing it So there's your recommendations from Sam. I hope you take some inspiration from them. Thank you so much for listening to She's at the Wheel podcast. If you want to write to me, it's she'satthewheel at gmail.com. Please follow me on Instagram and rate this podcast on iTunes five stars. I will be back in two weeks with another awesome interview. So until then, have a great fortnight and to you soon i've got to get away start again find a brand new day so much for me to find